0: Someone once said that it's easier to forgive an enemy than a friend. Easier to forgive an enemy than a friend. Someone else said it's easier to forgive a friend than to give family. Easier to forgive a friend than it is to forgive family. So from enemy to friend to family. Today's Father's Day. We're in the midst of a sermon series on forgiveness, and it's based on an awesome book by Pastor Adam Hamilton called Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And today we're gonna talk about what it looks like to forgive family. What does it look like to forgive the people in our lives closest to us in family? Because sometimes those are the people that it's the hardest to forgive because we're in tight quarters, we're close quarters. It's kind of like we're so emotionally invested that when we were wounded by our family, that's the hardest to get over, it's the hardest to forgive. And as family members, we know how to push each other's buttons, don't we? When I was growing up, I have a younger brother named Matt. He's two years younger than me. And we could be the best of friends or we could be the worst of enemies, depending on what minute of the day it was. And maybe you understand this if you have siblings. And uh, my brother Matt, he used to like around Easter time to get those Cadbury chocolate eggs. You know what I'm talking about? They got the cream feeling and stuff. And he loved a Cadbury egg. And so one day I started calling him Cadbury. And uh, it made him mad. So once I got the end, right, whenever I wanted to get under his skin, I'm like, what's up, Cadbury? Right? Can you bring me that? What's up, Cadbury? Right? So just the smallest things that we can do to drive each other crazy. He probably still resents me for calling him Cadbury egg for most of his life, right? In our lives, we hurt each other in families maybe more than, than anything else. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But I just invite you today to think about, in your family right now, are you carrying a grudge against anyone in your family? Right? Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your siblings, maybe it's your children, a cousin, somebody like that. Is, is there a grudge in your life that you're not able to let go of? Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, somebody in your family is holding a grudge against you for something that you have done to them and you never said that you're sorry, right? It's hard to forgive anybody But it's even harder to forgive those who are closest to us. But there's hope because God wants us to be reconciled, especially to the people who are in our families, who we love the most. And so today we're going to read about a family in the Bible that also has some major dysfunction. Uh, And I don't know about you, but it it helps me in my life that that my family, which can be dysfunctional, because I think all families are dysfunctional, that we're not alone in that. That even the families that God chose to bless the world also have a lot of dysfunction, and God was still able to work through them and to help them find forgiveness. So there's hope for us today, and we're going to dive into the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. First book of the Bible. Right, way back in the day when God chose uh, a man and, a wife, and his wife, Abraham and Sarah, to have a family. And that family was going to grow into the nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel was going to come Jesus, the Son of God, to bless the entire world. Right? That's the story of the Old Testament. If you get from this family to Jesus to, to save us all. And so this family was a holy family, but they also had Lots of issues. And so we're going to start off. Abraham and Sarah, right? They get married, and they have uh, children. They have uh, a guy named uh, Isaac, who, like, is the child, who's the chosen one. And they also have a son named Ishmael. And that's Abraham's son, and it's Sarah's kind of stepson. And so Abraham and Sarah make a choice to banish Ishmael out of the family and to keep Isaac as the favorite son. And that causes a lot of problems. In fact, most of the struggles that are happening in the Middle East today still trace back to that banishment of Ishmael and the favoring of Isaac, okay? So, well, Isaac gets married later, and he has two children. He has Jacob and Esau, and Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, they also play favorites. They don't learn any lessons from Isaac's parents, and so each one of them has a favored son, and that doesn't go well. One wants to kill the other. One flees away for 20 years in exile, And it just, it doesn't go bad. So Isaac, right, now has this son, Jacob, right, who's one of the favorites. And so third generation, Jacob has 12 sons, 12 boys. And from the 12 sons of Jacob are going to come the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel. And you think after two generations of playing favorites with children that someone would learn not to do that. But that's not what Jacob does. Jacob chooses one of his sons named Joseph to be his favorite. And he shows favoritism to Joseph. And one of the things that he does is that he offers him this fancy coat of many colors. And you might have heard of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? It's a Broadway kind of musical, that kind of thing. It's based on this story in the Bible. And so Joseph was the favored son. And he also had these dreams that God gave to him that one day his brothers and his family are going to bow down to him. Uh, And he, being a young man, didn't know how to deal with that in a mature way. And so he flaunted that in front of his brothers And his brothers didn't like him anyway. Now he's saying that they're going to bow down to him and he's superior to them. One day they saw Joseph come and they were so angry that their father had chosen this son as a favorite, that he's saying he's superior to all of them, that they said, let's kill him, right? And a lot of times we say that in our lives. I want to kill my family. Well, we don't mean it, but they meant it. They wanted to kill Joseph. And they saw him coming, but one of the brothers said at the last minute, let's don't kill him. We, we can't kill him. We'll fake his death. We'll tell dad that he's dead, but let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. And so what they did is they human-trafficked their brother. They, were, they beat him up. They were going to kill him. They sold him into slavery, human trafficking, right, into another country, into Egypt to the south, right? Dysfunctional, messed-up family. Lots of rage, lots of resentment, lots of jealousy, and not any forgiveness, right? And so this is the family of God. This is the family God chose to bless the entire world, and it's going to work out. But for right now, I think we need to kind of like kind of stew in this, right? I, I could imagine the the pain and the hurt that Joseph had when he was sold into slavery. Right, And I, I'm guessing he had some anger. I guess he had some, some issues that he had to work through. And so how did Joseph get through that? We've been talking a lot about how when we harm each other in life, it's kind of like we throw rocks at each other. And some of those rocks are, are small pebbles, you know, that we throw at each other, you know, just little things like calling your brother a Cadbury egg, things like that, right? That, that begin to add up and, and, and it becomes a heavier weight. If you imagine like you have a backpack on and, and when people throw rocks at you, that you're throwing them in the backpack and even the little pebbles start to mount up. Then they're like, the, you know, medium sized rocks. There's some bigger rocks that we're talking about, kind of like picking a favorite child over the other that we have to deal with. And we put those in the backpack. And then there are these huge, big boulders, right? massive things, ways that we really hurt each other that get in there too. And pretty soon that backpack is weighing us down. And so how do we, especially with families, let go of some of that? How do we let go of the pebbles? How do we let go of the medium-sized rocks? How do we get rid of the boulders? that are holding us down and we have this resentment, we have this grudge that we're carrying, right? we have this division, we, we have this hatred for people that we're supposed to love. How do we deal with that? Well, I think with the pebbles, it's a little bit easier. I read a story about uh, a family that had two young children, a young daughter, a young brother. Uh, and so the daughter uh, was of the age to have a sleepover, and she had all of her little girlfriends come over, and they were up giggling and watching movies and eating junk food. All, you know how it goes and that kind of stuff. And her brother's a little bit older, right, just into puberty. And so the next morning, the brother wakes up, and uh, his armpits have been shaved, Right, and so evidently the girls have snuck into his room while he's sleeping, shaved his armpits. It's like he's he's lividly angry about this, and he goes to his mom and says, "Look what my sister and her girlfriends did to me last night, right? What are you gonna do about that?" And so, but the sister comes in, like, "We didn't do it, honest, mom. We didn't do it." Like, well, then who did it, right? The 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 I don't know the truth fairy, right? Get out of out of whack here, right? So. So the sister gets punished, she gets grounded, Right, and years go by, they grow up as young adults, and finally, right, the brother finally admits that he shaved his own armpits to get his sister in trouble, and it worked, <laughs> right, and so she's probably been mad at him for all these years, but was was able to forgive him when he was able to confess that, right, right, and I'm sure for him that was, or her, that was a little bit traumatic growing up, but pebbles, right? Pebbles, right? Just throwing pebbles, but there's forgiveness, right? And we talked last week about, right, one way that we can maybe forgive others is this acronym, R-A-P, right? Remember your shortcomings, right? When somebody does something wrong to you, remember that you're not perfect either, right? Yeah, he faked his armpit shaving, but I probably did a lot of bad things to him. Uh, Assume the best of the person who slighted you. Yes, my brother was very conniving and got me, but He's still my brother. He still did a lot of good things for me in my life and then pray for them, all right? So when someone does something wrong to us, remember, we're not perfect. Assume the best in the other person. They might've hurt you, but there's gotta be something good in them and then to pray for them. And again, that works, that works pretty well when we're talking about pebbles and throwing little pebbles at each other. But what about the medium-sized rocks? We talked a little bit about this last week. You know, you think about Joseph, right? A father choosing one son, over others to be a favorite. That's gonna be at least a medium-sized rock. And then Joseph coming and saying that he's the favored son and and he's superior and everyone else is gonna bow down to him. That's getting in the range of medium-sized rocks. Like, what do we do with those? Because those pebbles, they pile up pretty quickly, but so do those medium-sized rocks of of disrespect and uh, not showing love and being cruel to one another. And pretty soon that backpack gets really heavy with medium-sized rocks that we're throwing at each other. And, and, and sometimes we take those rocks out of the backpack, I think. And I, I think we begin to stack them around us, not just in our backpacks, but we start to build walls with those rocks, don't we, right? Especially those bigger rocks, because it's easier to make walls. And so we've been hurt so much by other people that we're going to take that hurt and that pain, and we're going to build up some walls around us to hide behind that. Right to get between us and the others. We're tired of people throwing rocks at us, and so we're gonna build up some walls, but when we build up those walls, we also, what? We cut off the relationship, right? And we can't reconcile if there's a big rock wall standing between us, and so we're faced with the dilemma. Do we like being isolated by ourselves through the rest of life, or, or do we wanna be in a relationship with the people that are in our families that we care about, that, that love us, and we're supposed to love them, right? How are we gonna get through those walls, Well, I think there are a couple of different options. I think one is hopefully the people who have done us wrong will realize that and they will repent. We've been talking about this word repent, which means to have a change of mind, to have a change of heart, to have a change of behavior. Someone's going to realize they've done something wrong to me and it's going to bother them and they're going to come and they're going to knock the walls down. I'm so sorry I threw these rocks at you. I'm so sorry that I have harmed you. I'm, I realize now what my actions have done to you, and I am truly sorry to the point that I am going to change my behavior, right? We're going to have a good relationship. I'm tired of being away from you, and so I'm going to knock these rocks down that I've thrown at you, and you've built up a wall, right? That, that's the ideal situation. That's what we're going for. And if you've thrown rocks at somebody, maybe that's what God's saying to you today. It's time to go and knock those walls down and to apologize and to repent and to have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of behavior. That, that's one way. And that's, that's a great way. That's, the, that's what we want. That's the optimal kind of solution to that problem. But as we talked about last week, there are going to be people in our lives, including people in our families, who have hurt us. And they've thrown pebbles and they've thrown the medium sized rocks. And they're not going to say they're sorry. They're not even going to realize that they have to say they're sorry. They're not going to repent. They're not going to change their mind or anything on their own. And so if we want to be in a relationship with them, then our only other choice is for us to knock down the wall of rocks that we've built up to say, you know what? It's wrong what they did to me, and I'm not going to condone what they've done. There's going to be consequences they're going to have to pay, all that kind of stuff. We talked about that last week, how to forgive somebody when they don't want forgiveness, when they don't apologize, when they don't repent. But at the end of the day, if I want to be in a relationship with them, I can't hide behind the rocks. It's it's not worth losing a relationship with my father by hiding behind these rocks. It's not worth losing a relationship with my daughter by hiding behind these rocks. And so they put the rocks up, but I'm knocking them down. I've got to let go of this. I've got to release my grudge against them and be at peace with them and hope that we can reconcile. I'm not going to put up with their bad behavior. not going to do that. But if I want to have a relationship with them, I'm knocking the wall down and I'm gonna extend the olive branch, and, and I'm gonna be grace-filled and try to make this thing work, right? So that's an option for us. And I think as we think about raps, R-A-P-S, There's a, or R-A-P, we can add an S to that. I jumped ahead of myself, right? So we remember our shortcomings. We assume the best of the person who slighted us. We pray for them, we also seek to understand, why are they throwing rocks at me? Why is someone who loves me Throwing a rock at me. What what's going on with them? I read a, about another family, where the father of the family, he was a good father, but he could never express his love adequately to his children. He couldn't say I love you. Couldn't say I'm proud of you couldn't show any emotion, affection, any hugs like that and the and the children in this family they wanted that. They they wanted their father's affirmation verbally, they wanted hugs, they wanted, you know, affection, all that he he did not give it to them. But he was a good good father. He was respectful, he took care of them, but they didn't receive that type of affection. Well, later in life they discovered that when their dad was younger, when he did something wrong, the way that he was punished was that his parents would lock him into a closet. they lock him into a small closet where it was dark, where there's no bathroom, where it was claustrophobic, and they'd leave him for hours, hour after hour after hour, and he hated it. And he, but he, he spent more time in that closet than he, than he wanted to ever in his life. And he swore that when he became a parent, he would never do that to his children, and he never did. But it hardened him so much that he also couldn't express his love for his kids not with his words, not with hugs, none of that, right? And and so while his kids, right when they realized this, it, it it still didn't fix that he he couldn't verbalize his love, that he couldn't give them the affection that they wanted, but they understood better where he was coming from. Right? And hopefully it opened up a conversation to talk about, well, now how can we be in a relationship together? We, we hate this happened to you in your past dad. It helps us understand more, but but moving forward, we, we need this from you as well, right? So as we seek to understand why people are throwing rocks at us, that I think that's a good step for us to take. Well, what about the boulders, right? We talked about this the past couple of weeks too as well. Like when it comes to family, right? Like big stuff, like abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, the stuff of an absentee parent, right? Someone who just leaves and is completely gone, right? Or we have children who are utterly rebellious and who disrespect everything that we're all about. And it just, it's like the prodigal son in the Bible who just takes everything that we give them and they squander it and they disrespect us, right? How do we overcome those huge huge boulders, right? Those huge gaps, those, that amazing pain that's been raised up into our lives, Maybe just some practical things for us to think about that have worked for followers of Jesus in real life situations where their families have just had major trauma and major pain. And one of those is to get Christian counseling, professional counseling, right? Someone to help us process this and think through this and and see some blind spots and help us to become more self-aware of who we are, that that God has created people to help heal others, right? Maybe that's something that we need to take. And I know a lot of times we see that as a sign of weakness, asking for help, but it's not, right? That's why God has created people to be able to help us do things like that. And so maybe that's something that that you could consider if you're dealing with a boulder in your family. Others have found, you know, finding a group of friends, maybe one friend or a group of, of two or three friends, you know, tight people that we can trust. Maybe it's a small group in a church where we can talk about this, right? I, have a, I have a bad relationship with this person in my family. This is the stuff that I'm carrying around. This is what's been done to me. And, and they found a way to forgive and to let go because they've been able to have someone else shoulder the burden with them, that we, we just can't go through this alone. And so maybe it's a friendship. Others have been able to, to let go of some things by writing it out in a letter, like a detailed letter. Like, this is the stuff that's driving me crazy. This is my pain. This is what, what's been done. This is what I wish you would do and, and ask for you know, me for my forgiveness, right? Get it all out, everything out in a letter. And then you have a chance to mail it or not, right? Most of the, the healing comes from writing it out, getting it out, praying through that, Right? And whether you mail that letter or not, right, that, that's as the Spirit leads. These are practical ways that we can think about doing this. Other ways that people have dealt with the boulders and other rocks in their lives is through prayer, right, to talk to God about it. And it's going to take more than one prayer session. It could take a million. It might take months. It might take years. But in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying where we say, forgive us our trespasses, right, our wrongdoing as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we pray that and we mean that and we keep praying that, God forgive me as I forgive those in my life, right? That can change us. God can change us through the process of prayer. Others have found, right, receiving the sacrament of Holy Communion, something that we do the first of every month here at South Park Church, where we remember that Jesus died on a cross and his body was broken and his blood was shed and, and we eat the bread and drink the grape juice as a symbolic remember, reminder of that, that, that when people receive communion, remember Jesus' sacrifice, what he did for us, right, it helps open them up to being more forgiving. If Jesus can forgive us after killing him, then we can forgive others who have wronged us, right? So through the sacrament of Holy Communion. And then there's the hard question of, well, what if my family member that I still have issues with is no longer alive, right? What if they died? What if it was my grandparent, my uncle, my mom, right? My child, what if, what if that person is no longer alive and I still have a lot of pain? I still have a lot of anger. I still have a lot of unsettled issues. I, they still owe me an apology and they're dead. How am I gonna get that apology now? How are they gonna repent about that now? right that's challenging right but some christians have found it helpful literally to go to the gravesite to go to the columbarium and have the hard conversation with the loved one say i know you're not here but if you were this is what i would say to you right and to get it out to let it go and who knows if god doesn't allow the person in heaven right where they are to hear this as a way of being healed right it, I, I think some powerful things can happen, right? It'd be great to settle things before there's death, but if death has happened, it's not too late to find a way to let go and to, and to forgive and to move forward. And then some people who are dealing with medium-sized stones, huge boulders, they've also found a way to deal with that, to release that by simply asking God, this stinks, this is horrible, It's a bad situation, But I thank God you can bring something good out of it. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes that all things work together for good for those who love God. God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. But when bad things happen to us from family members, God can bring something good from that. People who've been abused by their parents. Terrible thing. I mean, it's terrible, right? the, The person you trust the most, right, have found peace later by using their experience to help someone else who's going through that, right? My pain has been able to help someone get through something, right? God, take this brokenness, take this stone and make something good from it. And ultimately, that's exactly what God did in the story of Joseph, right? This, you know, third generation of favoritism and, and now he's been, you know, sent into human trafficking. He's been sent into slavery, and he finds himself you know sold to this high ranking official in Egypt, and he, with the power of God, does a good job and he gets elevated to the head of the household and things are going well for joseph. but then the guy's wife tries to seduce Joseph, he says no, so she tells a lie and flips the story and says he tried to seduce me when he didn't, and the guy throws him into prison he doesn't deserve to be in prison, so they're like you know, Joseph, right, thrown into slavery. He didn't deserve to be thrown into slavery. Now he's thrown into prison. Doesn't deserve to be there, but God's with him. And in the prison, he becomes like the model prisoner. He gets elevated to like the the, the highest prison ranking or whatever. He interprets some dreams for some other high-ranking prisoners who are in there. The prisoners later, one of them gets out, and they remember Joseph when the head of all of Egypt, the Pharaoh, the ruler, has a crazy, some crazy dreams, and no one can interpret. So they go and they get Joseph. This guy can interpret dreams. And he interprets the Pharaoh's dreams that there's gonna be a huge drought and they need to get ready, get the food ready so that the people of Egypt don't starve. And the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt says, well, Joseph, because you told me this dream, I want you to be like my vice president and I want you to make this happen. So Joseph sold into slavery, right? God elevated him, right? Thrown into prison for something he didn't deserve. God elevated him, right? Now Joseph finds himself as the vice president, right? Kind of equal kind of thing of an entire country. And he stores up enough food that when the famine comes, right, the drought comes, right, everyone's saved, right? Everyone's saved. And guess who else comes knocking on the door in Egypt for some of that food? The people of Israel. And guess who lives in the people of Israel? Joseph's family. His brothers that sold him for slavery come in the same room, not knowing that it's Joseph, right? Because now he's this Egyptian leader asking for his help, asking for him to feed them. Now, if that had been you or me, we might be tempted to say, ha-ha, guess what? It's me, Joseph. Remember what you did to me, right? Here comes some slavery for you. Here comes some prison for you, right? Here comes some death for you. That, that could be the payback that we would want. But Joseph forgives his brothers, and he hugs them, and he weeps, and they can't believe it, Right? And it's just this beautiful scene, and he brings his his father down and the rest of his family down and gives them food, and they stay there in Egypt together till his father dies of old age, and and then his brothers get worried again. Okay, dad's gone. Maybe Joseph's really going to get us now, and that's where we're going to pick up some some of the story in Genesis chapter 50 to see how this story ends. So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? This is what you were to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said, right? Things have come full circle, right? But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, right? God works together for good for those who love him, right? The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children, and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You meant to harm me, but God took these bad circumstances and used it for good. I forgive you. I love you. It's an amazing story of forgiveness. In fact, it's the first use of the word forgiveness in the entire Bible, right? It's the first book of the Bible, but it's the first place that it's used, this powerful story, right? Where Joseph has been through all of this because of his brothers, and yet he sees God working to bring good, and he is able to forgive his brothers. Man, if Joseph can forgive his family for that, I think we can forgive our families for a lot, right? So what, what's the point today? What's the big takeaway? Some would say it's this. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different past. I wish my past were different. I wish you didn't sell me into slavery. I wish I wasn't thrown into prison, right? All those kind of things. Forgiveness means we give up the hope of a different past. We can't change the past, absolutely. But I think there's a more positive lesson here. Forgiveness is believing that the future can be better than the past. Forgiveness is believing that the future can be better than the past. Yet you sold me into slavery. I told you that I was superior to you. Our dad played favorites with us, right? We can't change that past. But guess what? Our future together can be better. I can forgive you, you can live with me in Egypt, I can feed you, right? We can be reconciled as brothers, right? Forgiveness is believing that the future can be better than the past. And and this this story of Joseph is, is so incredibly powerful, right? It's the story of a son who was thought to be dead, who is alive again and he saves the world, right? The son who was thought to be dead, they faked his death, he's alive again and now he saves the world. Right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Right? That's, the, that's the story of Jesus, right? The son of God died on the cross. He was dead. He came back to life and he did that to save all of us, to save us from our sins, to save us from our guilt, to save us from our shame so that we can be forgiven. That's the story of Joseph. That's the story of Jesus, that we can find forgiveness and that we can forgive those who harm us, even those people in our families, and we can find reconciliation. Today's Father's Day, and I I love Father's Day because I have a great relationship with my dad. I have a great relationship with my father-in-law. I love my two sons, Luke and Nathan, and so today is a a great day for me, and so I celebrate with all of you who love Father's Day, your grandfathers, your father-like figures, that sort of thing. I think y'all know, like, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a big science fiction geeky kind of guy, and you might not know that when Star Wars first came out that I saw it in the movie theater 19 times. Yeah, 19 times I saw Star Wars in the movie theater and uh, I, I've been thinking about why that is. And I think part of it is I like the content. I don't think I'd go to a movie 19 times if the content was disagreeable. But I think what, what really moved me, right, to do that was that my dad took me and my brother. And that's what we did that time, right? It was, it was that time spent with my dad. More than what was in the movie, it was that my dad and my brother, and we, we went to the movies. And I just have good memories of that, right? And so I hope that, that you all have great memories on Father's Day, but I know that it's not true of everybody. And I know that for some of us, Father's Day is difficult. And so I would just say to you today that if you struggle with Father's Day, it's just not your day. Some bad stuff between you and your dad or, or your children or, or, or whatever it is that, that's harming you is, is to remember that one of the images of God in the Bible is Heavenly Father, now, I know that God's beyond male, God's beyond female, right? God is parent, God could be considered mother. One of the great, you know, examples or, or illustrations of God's love for us is, is a heavenly father. And if you don't have a good relationship with your father on the earth, then you can have a good relationship with God. I've got some friends my age who don't have good relationships with their dads, and today's a hard day for them. And I pray for them. I pray for them to find that comfort with their dads, but I know that they have a relationship with our heavenly father and that brings them lots of comfort. So know that the heavenly father loves you, has created you in his image and has great plans for you in your life. And one thing that that heavenly father did was he sent his son into the world to die on a cross for you and to come back to life so that you and I can be forgiven, right? Our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace that we can live life to the full now, and we can live forever in the glorious kingdom of heaven. And that's Jesus that made that possible. And we know that when Jesus was on the earth, he was a carpenter, and he built stuff. And some people also think that Jesus was a stonemason, right? Because some of the houses that they've dug up in Israel where Jesus lived and would have worked were made out of stone, right? All the things were made out of stone. All right, so Jesus can do these wonderful things with stones. And so what I'd like to ask you to do today is kind of an application to what we've been talking about. What does it mean to forgive people? What does it mean to let go? I want you to imagine right now the stones that are in your backpack that are there from family members, parents, siblings, cousins, extended family, right, that are weighing you down because someone has hurt you with your stones, right? And you're carrying those around. What I invite you to do today or sometime this week Is to take those stones and to give them to Jesus. And give them to Jesus. Say, God, I'm tired of carrying this stuff. I'm tired of being weighed down. I want to be in a better relationship with my family. God, I want to turn these stones over to you and I want to ask you, God, to do something beautiful with them. Make something of this pain. Use something from these rocks to bring good into the world. And by the way, God, you know, just Get this weight off of my chest. Get this weight off my back. I'm ready to be free of these walls of stones that are weighing me down. If that sounds good to you, if that sounds like something you would like to see happen in your life, to have Jesus transform your pain into something beautiful, to to get rid of all that weight and that burden that you're carrying, then I invite you to release that to God this week. I invite you to to pray something with me. I want to read this to you. And if it sounds encouraging to you, I want you to then say it aloud with me, because I think this is a great way that we can turn over our family pain to God and ask God to help us, right? Right? Let me read this to you. God, please take these stones from my past. Do something good with them and help me to let go. If that sounds like something that you want in your life, just a piece of that or all of that, and I'm guessing it's probably all of us, then I invite you right now to imagine in your mind what those stones are, who those stones were cast by, and pray this prayer with me right now, either aloud or in your hearts, but let's pray this together. God, please take these stones from my past. Do something good with them. Help me let go. Forgiveness right, is believing that the future can be better than the past. With our families, with our lives, right, Jesus is ready to take the stones from us, make something beautiful from them, and to let them go. Forgiveness is believing that the future is better than the past. Brothers and sisters, give your stones to Christ and be free. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.